Walter Balpin, the Twitter Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly Monday appearance on whichever day he so chooses. He is now the erstwhile, the former managing editor of Fangraphs.com, is Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest, and on this edition of the program, well, what happens? Uh, uh, what happens most immediately, most importantly, is Dave Cameron fulfills his obligation, not just to the program, but to Fangraphs itself. Uh, on Wednesday of this past week, Cameron announced he would be leaving the site in order to accept a position with the San Diego Padres uh, to, as he says it, to uh, to help them build out their research and development department. This represents his final appearance on Fangraphs, or at least his final for some time. So for the last time, or at least the last time in a while, what happens here is I present to him, to Cameron, an anecdote or phenomena for real life and ask him what in baseball is like that. That happens for the last time. I endeavor on multiple occasions unsuccessfully, uh, it turns out, to extract his login information, Dave Cameron's login information, for the Padres' proprietary database. He does not share that information. I also seek Cameron's wise counsel on the subject of titling posts, both to achieve, that is, posts that our authors write, uh, to achieve the greatest number of clicks, but also to preserve Fangraph's world-famous integrity, the integrity for which Fangraph's is so world-famous. Finally here, Cameron recounts what happened uh, every one of the roughly 400 times we published a new edition uh, of the podcast for one of his appearances. We got made fun of for it. Not wrongly so. Once again, that is uh, that is the response, the general response, uh, every time we published a new episode of Fangraphs Audio featuring Dave Cameron. We got made fun of for it. Not wrongly so. Hurtful. Hurtful that, but not uncalled for. Um, I let's. Uh, I will now just let's just move on to uh, no no message, no sponsors message or anything like that. Move on to our final conversation with David Cameron, one which I can't guarantee offers anything of substance, uh, except is awkward at times. Is definitely awkward at times. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Erstwhile managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And when does it begin? Right now. this is your last appearance at least for some time on the program yeah i i do have a request okay when we reach the end of this podcast can you tell me that i have fulfilled my obligations to fangraphs yeah yes i absolutely will in fact tentatively tentative title of this program is dave cameron uh fulfills his obligation to the program oh good yeah Yeah. not just for the program this is the last thing i'm doing for fangraphs yeah, although I believe thing. you're tech, I believe you're technically employed. Through, we're recording this Thursday. You re, you're technically employed through tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah, but I have some like loose ends to tie up. Like you know, I have to go delete myself from Slack. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, well, hey, hey, listen. I told I told Appleman because you know that I've been harassing you about headlines, um, and titling. Yes. Of of posts, and I will continue to do it until, you know, roughly four p.m. tomorrow. Okay. Well, I'm around <laughs> to be harassed. <laughs> to an extent, I might yeah. tell you go pound sand. Yeah, I know that's one of your favorite things to say. You love well, just because you're an aficionado of pounding sand, or you dislike <laughs> sand. You dislike sand. Um, all right, let's get me that. Uh, are you aware, uh, Dave Cameron, that sometimes in the program I will present to you a, a scenario or a an account from real life and ask you what in baseball is like that. Yeah. Somebody okay. on Twitter yesterday asked me, what in baseball is like losing your favorite podcast host to a major league team? Yeah. Well, and what, well, well, so this actually, this, this, uh. If you were going to ask that, sorry if I just ruined the joke. No, no, no. Well, this scenario is similar, uh, but it actually has something to do with, um, I mean, in this particular case, it's about, it's about my own brain, uh, but because, um, because I'm not that special, I assume it's about, uh, at least one other type of person's brain as well. Um, and it is a failure to failure to understand the reality uh, of the near future. And because I have known, I will not say for how long, but I've known a little bit uh, that it was possible that you were going to leave the site, right? Yeah, yeah. You were in and the loop. It was in the loop, sure. Um, but at the s- same time, it was uh, it was all um, it was not real to me. It was unreal. 
the the consequences of that particular move were not real. Now, in the last couple of days, the consequences have become much more real because <laughs> um, <laughs> I realized, for example, um, now of course you you have served as the managing editor. There's no we're not going to be replacing you. I mean, your your title was technically managing editor. Your job was really Dave Cameron. You were Dave Cameron for the site. <laughs> Is that what my business card said? Dave Cameron. Yeah. I'm the Dave Cameron right. of Fangraphs. Yeah, you're the Dave Cameron of Fangraphs. Right. And uh, so there's no, I don't think there's really going to be an attempt to fill your role precisely. I think that everyone who, who's, you know, uh, working in particular in a full-time capacity will, you know, do some of the stuff that you did. Um, however, there are, there are fewer barriers now between the posts that our writers submit and, um, and the, uh, what happened and them going live on the site. Yeah. And I always used to have you around so if something went wrong, I could kind of partially blame you because right. you were in, you yeah. were the managing like, editor. Cameron published that. Yell at him. Right, yeah. But now I, I don't have that sort of convenience. But my point is this. For some time after you made it clear, I, I, you know, I was always very happy for you. In particular, if, you know, if the opportunity worked out, that would be great. That would be awesome if it worked out for you, your family, et cetera. That was going to be great. And that's really how all how I thought of it. I did not consider the consequences um, for me yeah. is what I didn't consider. And as I say, they've become very real in the past couple of days. But I noticed that this is not how everyone um, interacts with reality. For example, I know like uh, – it, just like any time you have to say goodbye to someone, um, my wife, for example – Knows, you know, because we it used to be like, you know, how she used to go to France all the time without me. Yeah, I do. Yeah, know yeah. So she used to go to France all the time without me, and she would be kind of equally upset about it for like a, a week or two ahead of time, and I would be totally oblivious to the reality which lie just ahead. But then when it occurred, I would I would be devastated for a short period of time. Do you know what I mean? And she would be like, "What is your problem? Like you didn't <laughs> have any reaction up till now, and now you're." And now you're uh, you're useless as a person, yeah. even more useless, I yeah. should say. So, what in baseball uh, is like this? Is like that one? I'm a member of this fraternity, but I'm surely not the only one. Like one who does not understand the consequences of a particular event until that event is right uh, is right on top of him or her. Uh, I. Is there a question? Well, what in baseball is like that? What in baseball is like is is a sort of thing that this event that sort of suddenly happens, and whoever was uh, in theory responsible for uh, for monitoring it just uh, really dropped the yeah. ball. Um, or are you are you going to not answer because you don't have to anymore? Yeah, sure. I just decline. I just yeah. decline to answer. Yeah, uh, you can do that too. I don't know a line drive to the face. Like maybe that's yeah. uh you know like I, pitchers probably put this possibility of like they know when they throw a pitch that like at any point on any pitch they could take one off the cranium, but in order to do their job, they kind of have to like not think about that right like you'd be paralyzed with fear if you just like thought at every pitch like I hope this one doesn't hit me in the head, uh so they probably just like ignore that possibility until they're lying flat on their back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think what has happened to you is the uh, equivalent of getting a line drive off the noggin. You know, it's, I think that this is a – I believe the term is not suspension of disbelief, but actually suspension of belief. Okay. It's, it's the same um, – it's like the same quality we have to possess, like, ever to get into a car, right? Yeah. Because cars are dangerous. Driving is yeah. dangerous, right? Yeah. Um, and you know that there's what, like at any given point, there's, I don't know what the percentage is, but maybe it's like a 0.25% chance or something that you could get into a minor accident. Right. Um, but you have, you're like, well, I have to drive right. somewhere. So you do it and you, um, and I mean, anytime you're on the highway, that that's an insane thing. You have these, these, um, giant heavy vehicles going at 70 miles per hour. Right. Um, so you have to push away some awareness of the reality of the situation in order to participate in it. Um, and so it sounds like it sounds like what you're saying is that pitching, to some degree, requires a certain suspension of belief. Yeah, that's probably true. You have to be like a little bit irrational to want to do this. Yeah, um, I mean for batters too, right? I mean batters, yeah, yeah. they get to wear a helmet though. Yeah, and I guess that they like. The difference with the batter, too, right? I mean, obviously, they do get hit. So regardless yeah. of the quality of their <laughs> reflexes, it still happens. Um, but they're also, like, their job is to pick up the ball as soon as it comes out of the hand. And they're consciously trying to right. 
they train exert- themselves to do that versus pitchers are not necessarily training to, uh, you know, that's not their primary goal in life is to avoid fastballs to the face. Are there, is there a type of what, – what do you think are the – what are the variables that are sort of outside of the pitcher's control? And then what are the degrees to which, like, a pitcher can protect himself um, against the sort of injury? Uh, actually a good question for Jeff Sullivan, who has been hit in the head with a line drive as a pitcher yeah, before. So, uh, <laughs> I asked you know, him what, the, not, what not to do. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, so, Jeff, what didn't you do that you wish yeah. you could go back and uh, uh, avoid that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think – you know, most of it, it seems like it's out of their control. Like, obviously, the speed off the bat and the angle it comes off the bat is not really in their control. Like, um, you can throw fewer pitches down the middle, but pitches down the middle get hit over the fence. I don't I don't actually know, like, where the pitch location that, like, most likely leads to one coming right back at you is maybe down and away. I'm not sure. Um, so I don't really know that there's much the pitchers can do besides be flexible enough and hope their reactions are good and, you know, um, pay attention. Well, certain pitchers have been lauded right for their their ability to get into a fielding position, like as they're delivering. While yeah, other but a pitchers, fielding position is very different than a don't get hit in the face position. <laughs> like those are not the same thing. Right? Do you think like, that the Do you think that the fielding position like officially occurs after the don't get in, hit? I in think the face that they position? might actually be like somewhat related, and a fielding position might actually put your face in more danger. Like if you are one of these guys who like lands kind of square to the plate with both legs, and you're like you know, ready to bend over and pick up a bunt or whatever, mm-hmm. you're also, like, in the line of fire. If you're, like, you know, one of these crazy, you know, relievers who falls off to the first base side of the mound and is, like, ending up on the first baseline by the time the ball reaches the plate, you're probably fine. So, well, I mean, wasn't Mitch Williams, at least in my lifetime, I think Mitch Williams yeah. has been the most flagrant yeah. <laughs> um, version of that, whereas, like, he would, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the, on multiple occasions, he actually fell down while he was right. Or falling yeah. down might have actually been part of yeah the delivery. That, that might not have been a bug, but a feature. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it's true. I suppose. I mean, I suppose at a certain point, like he could get hit, but it would be he was on the ground already. So the chances that he would be hit in a way that w- was capable of actually like exerting some sort of real damage to him, it would probably probably minimal. Whereas, like, I mean, there must be certain points if you're if you're facing the plate, right. there must be certain velocities at which the baller hit, where you where no one would have any sort of requisite reaction time. Yeah, yeah, right. If it comes off the bat at like one ten, I don't think you have any time to do anything besides flinch. Yeah, is that the what is the cutoff? I know I remember reading at one point like Sports Illustrated was talking about if, uh, I mean, this when I was a kid might have even been Sports Illustrated for kids, but the, mm-hmm. essentially if Major League. Ball players were given the, the same sort of aluminum bats that were used yeah, in we, that. People, like the people, pe- people would die. Like the, the remember the Pete and Cavilia yeah. type those metal yeah. bats. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, there would be like third baseman would die. Yeah. Pitchers would die. Yeah. Um, I mean, as velocity continues to increase in Major League Baseball, like maybe in fifty years, one of the innovations will be like now we use foam bats. No. Are you advo- are you going to advocate? <laughs> Well, in 50 years, I hope I will not still be <laughs> discussing that. I hope to be retired uh, in 50 years mm-hmm. and, like, in a nursing home somewhere. You want to be in a nursing home. I like, mean, a nice, you know, like assisted living, maybe. But, but I'm a big fan of, like, someone bringing me my food. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, too. You could also get a butler in the meantime. <laughs> <that works out. laughs> um, so, listen, Dave Kim, you, you have been hired, uh, in your words, I think, to help build out the research and development uh, department for the San Diego Padres. I'm part of the build-out. I'll put it that way. You're part of the build-out, right. Yeah. To aid in the build-out. Yeah. Right. Are you going to, you're, you're going to aid in it. Are you going to abet as well? <laughs> Do people ever abet without aiding in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, is abetting one of those things? Like, there's a few words, right? Like, ensue, I've heard, is like the old joke. Like, the only thing in the world that ensues is, like, the following kickoff. Because, like, that's the only time anyone has ever oh, yeah, used right. that word. Like, the yeah. following kickoff ensues regularly. Mm-hmm. Nothing else ever ensues. So, I don't know. Like, besides a crime, can you abet anything else? I think you're always – you're either – you're aiding and you're also abetting, too. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. – I mean, I don't – I think you have to aid first before you can abet. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just abet on its own. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, you're – right. You are – you're definitely aiding and maybe you're abetting the build-out – of the uh, the Padres research and development. Now, listen, <clears throat> I have no intention 
of asking you any any questions that would uh, require you to reveal sensitive information. Good, because I would decline to answer. Because you would decline, yeah. yeah. And and uh, I just I don't I, I lack the requisite curiosity anyway. Right. Um, so, but I wanted to ask you just a couple questions about it. Right. Um, what is the your username and your password for the Padres proprietary database? Uh, it's cfistuli at <laughs> padres.com. Okay. And then the password is, okay. uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, the, so you don't, you don't want to share that as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, uh, decline to yeah. answer right, your first query. Are you allowed, I actually, are you allowed to reveal though? This is honest. The, cause some of the, uh, proprietary databases are public knowledge. Um, yeah. So certainly, everyone knows the name of the Houston Astros database. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's Ground Control. Right. Uh, um, Cardinals or I think Red. I think it's Redbird or Redbird, something like that. Red Cleveland Bird had a famous. Dog, I think actually. Cleveland. Oh, Red Dog. Cleveland had a famous one at some point. Yeah, Diamond View. Diamond View. Yeah. I actually saw like Diamond View was the first one I ever saw. I saw that one back in like 2002. That one's been around for a long time. So are you are you allowed to reveal that information? That I saw a Diamond View in 2002? <laughs> yeah, are you allowed to reveal that information? Yeah, I, think I, I think I just did. <laughs> All right, yeah, I think you did. Um, uh, no, I really don't have any questions. I was going to ask you um, I was going to ask you some alarming yeah. some, some things that would have made you, but uh, upon further examination, the bit would not have worked. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I, would, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of it, but I'm going to choose not to just out of, like, yeah. you know, Err on the side of caution. Yeah, I think you can err on the side of caution. I, um, I'm going to um, say that you should uh, you should do that, and that uh, I miscalculated. But I miscalculate a lot, so this is um, this right. is hardly notable. Yeah. Uh, well, allow me first of all to say, Dave Cameron, uh, beyond the, beyond the anxiety that I'm particularly that I'm feeling um, about uh, how this cycle will continue, uh, I'm going to miss your contributions to it. Yeah, I think uh, as I was kind of going through this last week and, you know, like I was somewhat emotional when I wrote my Going Away post and then thinking about like this last podcast and like, you know, I did Effectively Wild with Ben yesterday and, uh, you know, I think um, it was a really fun podcast to record, but also like Ben and I don't have this shared history that you and I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so realizing like this was going to be a different kind of podcast than that one was where, you know, in that one we kind of talked about the job and like my decision making process and all that. This one feels more like a little bit like a, I don't know, a, a... series finale of some TV show that no one liked. Uh, you know, like somehow yeah, right. we got seven seasons of like ALF or something. I don't know. Did people like ALF? Maybe, somehow, maybe yeah. And somehow even more disappointing than everything that uh, came before it as well. That's right. Yeah. Um, we have been doing the, the program for a long time. How many have we done? Did you look and see how many of these things we've done? Oh, God, no. But uh, I mean, I think there are about 800 episodes. I, you're that's not just me. That's 800 total. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, ha- I would have to think that you're on probably... I think you're on roughly half of them. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. When I was thinking about it, I, I was guessing somewhere between three and five hundred. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. And I um, I don't know if you've ever. Well, I, know, I know you're not a big fan of the program, yeah. uh, despite the fact that you appear on it with some frequency. Uh, the early ones were miserable. They were not good. They were they were they were good. everyone had uh, everyone had uh, the wrong equipment. Yeah, and uh, we regularly I I would call in on Skype on my phone. Mm-hmm. While I was walking my dog, yeah, I that was one one bad happened. thing that happened. Yeah. Uh, we have, we would frequently have Matt Clausen on, yeah, um, who was a delightful guy, very and obviously uh, quite intelligent. Um, but uh, as a in particular as a graduate student, a PhD candidate, um, he he always wanted to ensure th- that he was not asserting something too nakedly, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, so he, uh, he he was the king of the caveat. Yeah, right. Yeah, he would uh, he would nest any particular statement in a series of under, you know uh, provisos and conditions yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the point where he ensured that uh, he eventually had said nothing at all. But yeah. it, it, it actually after, after a while, in it, that in itself became a spectacle. I think there were actually times like I hope actually Matt's listening to this. Hi Matt, if you're listening. Uh, there were times I think when he would like start talking that I would realize like that was going to be a while and I would just do something else. Like I would just hit my mute on my microphone and be like, I'm going to go work for 10 minutes because this isn't going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, <clears throat> yeah, we've, we've had a lot, a lot of episodes and there's been, um, I, I don't really know what to say, Cameron, you know, 
Okay, well, uh, you know, I guess it's up to me then. <laughs> Am I running this podcast now? <laughs> if you don't have anything to say, well, here's uh, here's a question. Here, just one one point during because during your tenure, I think you were hired in what April of two thousand eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what do you see as sort of like the? I don't know if there were any epiphanies along the way, not not in the not in the podcast, but just the writing for the site. What do you feel like have been the kind of um, – what has been the evolution, do you think, of, of how that sort of analysis has worked? I mean I think we got more um, aware of the limits of so – like, I think at the beginning, especially if you go back and read some of those posts from 2008, the entire concept of those posts was here's a data point that I didn't know about before I sat down to start writing this post. You should know about it too. So it was mm-hmm. like the post was about some number. Um, and, you know, like I think – Part of why David Appleman hired myself and Eric Seidman and Mark Hewlett is like, you know, the first three guys in to tell people how to use Fangraphs is because he had, uh, at the time I was hired, the primary offensive statistic on the site was RC27, which is a Bill James statistic about like how many runs would a team oh, yeah. create if, you know, the, you know, this player was allowed to make all 27 outs, right? So like, not something anyone ever uses anymore. Like, RC27 has died on the vine. But that was, like, the big offensive stat at Fangraphs when I was hired. And so we had to teach people what win probability was and what leverage index was. And, um, you know, war wasn't even a thing at that time. I think when we actually rolled war out, we didn't even call it war. We called it value wins. Um, Whose choice was that? Appleman's. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking zero responsibility for the value win name. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, you look back at those posts and like the, the, the reason for existing was to kind of tell people, here are some numbers you didn't know existed, but we didn't actually know what to do with them. We didn't know how to use them. We didn't know what they meant. Mm-hmm. I think the site has turned from that <laughs> into a site where st- good stories are told, hopefully, um, where we're still absolutely trying to be grounded in evidence, but the, reason for Fangraphs existing now is not to educate the public on our leaderboards, which it used to be. <laughs> like that right. was that was the sole purpose of the blog when it started. Is now it's like, let's tell good stories, let's write and provide interesting baseball content. Let's be a platform for people um to, you know, engage in things that are enjoyable for them around the shared experience of baseball. And yes, let's like try to make sure that we're right about like the, what the evidence says and let's support our opinions with data and let's, um, you know, not just make things up and, you know, be blowhards. But I, I think the, the goal of the writing has changed certainly for the better. Yeah. And, and I would even, I would, uh, I don't know if in amend or augment that the sort of um, characterization you've, you've had of the, the evolution, um, which is, I do remember there was sort of a point at which it was in particular, after, you know, when BABIP was on the site and yeah. something like, um, you know, I think probably XFIP, pretty soon after XFIP was available on it, it was very easy to do a post where you would say, you know, like, here is um, here's John Lackey, right? Yeah. Right. John Lackey uh, recorded a 4.5 e- ERA, but he had a 4.0 XFIP. Right. Next season, he's going to be better. Yeah. Or over the next two months, he's probably going to be better. Right. We wrote a good amount of those. Yeah, and I think at a certain point, um, I think at a certain point it became like those became sort of e- easy to write, and I think it also became clear that perhaps more was more yeah. was necessary. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think that was one of those instances where you could say like if we actually. Um, I, don't, I guess I don't want to say like knew what we were doing, but like. Um, if we were, I don't, I don't actually know how to describe this. I, I think like there was, it became a crutch, right, for me and mm-hmm. for others on the site. And, um, you know, I think we got made fun of for it, not wrongly so, um, mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, hopefully caused us to get better and realize like this like formulaic, uh, you know, here's the thing, these numbers don't match, uh, you know, draw your conclusion. Like there's only so many times you can, kind of beat that horse and you know i think uh for better or worse like i do think you know fip changed the way baseball or dips i guess but you know it's fip on our site but the same mm-hmm. idea like you know babip and that not being under control like that changed baseball like dramatically the idea that pitchers couldn't control a significant aspect of their results was a huge shift 
Um, but there's only so long you can kind of beat that horse before you need to go find a new thing. And um, so I think hopefully now Fangraphs is more focused on finding new things than on beating dead horses. Yeah, and I, and I would also suggest too, I think there's like a lot of room for um, for understanding particular moments too. And that I think that's always the nice thing. And, and um, uh, you know, Jeff Sullivan does this quite well. <clears throat> um He'll he'll start a post, you know, like let's watch Araldus Chapman versus Bryce Harper. Right. Yeah, and he has a whole series just called Let's Watch. Yeah, let's watch something, right? Uh, but what makes it what makes it um, what makes it not, um, easier not easier to tell those stories, but what makes those stories typically um, richer now is the um, the the existence of of a lot of the the sort of the Statcast type data, right? Yeah. So the velocity and location of pitches and the, the exit velocities, um, where you can see, what, what, which, even though those are new technologies, they essentially come out of concerns that you know, real baseball men, all capital letters, um, have had for a long time, which is like, what are the like, what are the physical tools on display right now? Yeah. And I think that that, I think that the, that's something that like is, has been interesting too. Is maybe a lot of the. What what is considered new technology has really been just um, an effort to um, formalize and make, yeah. and make uniform scouting information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you. And again, I, it's not really. It really is not my ambition to have you comment on anything that would uh, um, compromise your relationship to your new your new employers. Uh, but the piece that uh, Kyla McDaniel wrote this week. Yeah. Um, I thought it was was really great, and it's actually now. I'm, I'm now you obviously before this week have had uh, contacts and phone offices, et cetera. But I was wondering if if you read that post in particularly Kylie's post, if you read it with any considerable interest in the fact that you were you were headed into uh, a major league organization. Um. So I, w- I was interested in reading it because I am interested in most of the stuff that Kylie writes, mm-hmm. and I liked to hear his perspective. Um, I would say, like, not that much of it was something I had not heard before. Like, the particular stories I hadn't necessarily heard before, but, like, yeah. um, you know, I would say I was kind of aware of what was kind of happening in terms of how these interactions were happening these days. Um, but, it, you know, I think uh, Kylie did a good job of providing people who don't have friends in the game, uh, you know, like uh, access to to what kind of what's happening these days. And so um, certainly served a purpose. I, I wouldn't call it like, you know, I don't think he broke any news necessarily, but it was a really good summary of kind of how the game has evolved. There is really a, uh, and I don't know if it's, um, I don't know what, what in baseball is like this or, or what in uh, social science is uh, what what term you'd use from social science recognize which is a type of social science I recognize uh, to characterize it, but this uh, at one point uh, Kylie <clears throat> notes the, the the experiences of of multiple different parties. Right, you have the one you have the um, the longtime scout who comes in and he's been working six days a week for like seven months to attempt to see all of the players he needs to see, and then you have the the analytics guys who come in and who have not seen any of the players in theory, or I mean, and, and this is painting with a broad brush, but who, who maybe haven't seen any of the players, but who do have the advantage of um, both having aggregated scouting reports and uh, you know pretty sophisticated uh, strategies for modeling, um, you know, what uh, modeling the the likely. Trajectories of these players, and then on top of that, you have the GM, who is forced to is forced to reconcile the views of the two, and knowing that if he waits one over the other, that he'll have um, that he'll have trouble on his hands because it'll be a mass exodus of one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a real consideration. Is you know, how do you not just have the best process to, like, do this, you know, have a 3% chance of better finding this guy in the draft or, you know, have a 4% chance of signing a better free agent. But, like, how do you keep good people employed in your organization? That's, like, probably more important, honestly. And I think that's something, like, you know, a lot of what um, baseball operations teams need to do is manage their people. And uh, so I think 
you know, it's not as much as we talk about, you know, like just try to make the optimal decision. You need to factor in like quality of workplace for your organization as like part of the calculation. And if you're not doing that, you might end up with like a really good process and no one to run it. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, uh, helping to run an organization, um, do you have any uh, do you have any advice for me in particular? Now, to be clear. I'm not running the organization. Yeah, no. I'm, I have roughly the same job I've had before, but again, do, you will not be there for any of us to blame. Right. So with, we all have to take uh, more responsibility, essentially, yeah. for our actions. Right. Uh, but do you have any uh, advice that you could uh, impart, or things I need to know, uh, in order to make sure that the site uh, doesn't collapse in the near future? Um, I would say the primary thing to do is to encourage uh, people to write about things that the readers care about. This is, I think, like, sometimes the... I wouldn't say the separator, because I don't want to make it feel like... So I think, you know, I've made it clear. I think Jeff is better at this than I ever was. Um, But I I did draw, like, a not insignificant amount of traffic to my posts. And I think it's not because I'm great at writing or because my analysis is amazing. Like, people said some very nice things yesterday, and I appreciated all of them. I don't agree with all of them, necessarily, but I appreciated them anyway. Um, But I think the primary thing is, like, I picked topics that generally were of some appeal to more than 12 people. <laughs> and so uh, if you can um, help people on staff who um, may otherwise, you know, want to pick, write about something esoteric, esoteric can be good. Jeff Sullivan crushes esoteric. Like he yeah. is the master of amazing and interesting esoteric posts. Um, but, you know, if you can steer people towards, like, write about things that interest folks, uh, then the site will be just fine. Because I think, like, you know, as I was writing my Going Away post and, as I'm going through the applicants for, you know, the job to replace me, Fangrass is in, like, really, really good hands. Like, even next week when I'm not around and I'm not part of the staff, Fangrass will still have the best staff it's ever had. Uh, I will say that, uh, yes, I, I've also had the opportunity to look around, and it is uh, very encouraging. A lot of, uh, well, of course, well, not, we have one new new face in Meg Rally, mm-hmm. um, and we have one new old face in Kyle McDaniel. He's um, like he does look surprisingly old for someone in his age. Kylie, yeah, ancient, yeah, yeah, very, yeah, ancient. And uh, but yeah, and uh, and of course, um, people have been writing uh, for some time before that. Um, a lot of exciting voices, and uh, people know what they're doing. Let's. Uh, I am going to. This is so mundane, uh, but I am going to harass you about about headlines and titles one more time. Okay. We've talked about some ground rules, Dave Cameron. But what 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 we can make clear right now is, um, I want to say I want I want to I want to rehash some things that we've spoken about. But I want other people to hear this so that they are witnesses, and so they know when they see a title at Fangraphs that so much hand wringing has gone into that <laughs> title. It I probably took people, more time to write the headline than the article. Yeah, I just want I want everyone to have an appreciation for this because. It's not because it is. I, I've become aware of the subtle art of titling something because it is the. It is like this what like eight word text that has to compete with all of the other eight word texts uh, to which people are being exposed constantly. Right, yeah. it has to be the thing that catches attention. It, so it on the one hand, yes, it does have to be not sensational enough, but compelling enough to. Receive the click, Dave Cameron. Yeah. However, it has to keep up its end of the bargain. You cannot, you it cannot, it cannot promise something um, that does not appear within within w- inside of it. Right. So that is that is the particular art. So, for example, today's today's uh, post. Neuroscience can project on base percentages now. Okay. This yeah. is a piece hand, Eno handed in, and it did not have that name. Right. Right. And a slightly more – it had a more accurate name, <laughs> but I would des- I would suggest less um, – Less clicky. Less clicky. And so I changed it to neuroscience can project batting lines now. And then Eno Saris, to his credit, changed it to on base percentages because that actually was a little bit more accurate. Yeah. So will you please evaluate this title that – in a sense that uh, Eno and I th- – that we worked on together? So it's not bad. It's above okay. average for, 
You? <laughs> I was trying to be more diplomatic than that. No, no, no. Don't, like, no don't worry about let's that. Let's put the diplomacy aside. I never have to talk to you again after this. Uh, let's just call it like it is. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's not bad. It does make a statement, which is uh-huh. uh, one of the things I've tried to get across to you is like have the headlines say something. Don't just have them be a collection of words and commas. Right. Um, I do think like leading with the word like neuroscience, mm-hmm. you lost some amount of readers right then. <laughs> like, what if it was? Just, so what if we had just said science? Yeah, I would better. Science, science would have been better actually. Um, okay. Or you know, I think like there's just you know that's a big word for some people, <laughs> and so uh, you know I think <laughs> not that we're trying to dumb things down, but I think you know no no, headline, no and I and I think that's I think it's okay to make this caveat. I think that what. There's the reality. There's the reality of the thing is that there are, that there is a lot of competition yeah. for readership, and so any site has to produce a a headline for its posts that that says this is going to be worth your time. Yeah, and then I the think post the again. Has reality to be is like. It's a package, right? Like it is like it, I think of the headline as like wrapping paper or something along those lines of like there are a lot of people who probably would be interested in certain articles that would feel like they were losing something if you told them like here's this really interesting article, I'm not going to let you read it. Putting up a barrier with like a really bad headline that makes them not want to read it is like putting out something and telling a certain segment of the people, I'm not going to let you do this. Like certainly they have a choice, right? Like but like I think we understand that we can invite people into our content in a way that they will engage with it. They'll enjoy the fact that they engaged with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say, like, the goal of the headline should be to appeal to people who will enjoy the piece. You don't want to, like, trick them into reading it. <laughs> That's not the goal. But if you think that there are people out there who would like to read about neuroscience, but they might not click on the word neuroscience, let's just not put neuroscience in the headline. I should have said just science can project on base percentage. Maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, like, there's probably even... Other ways you could have written that, but like, you're right. I think starting with an intimidating first word, you might have lost a portion of your audience who would have otherwise enjoyed the article. Now, listen, we lost a portion of the audience. Is it possible? And I'm not saying that this is that this would compensate for that. But by putting neuroscience, the people who are who do have an interest in that particular field maybe would feel would feel even more fulfilled by the post. I don't know that the title. Uh, significantly changes the feeling someone has when they finish the article. Okay. Uh, All right. Unless it, like, I can see it negatively impacting it. Like, if you were like, neuroscience is stupid, maybe, <laughs> like, a lot of people who like neuroscience would click on it just to hate the article. But short of, like, a trolling, clickbaity article, yeah. I think, like, once you get to the end, you don't necessarily care about the headline anymore. Okay, how about another one I had to deal with yesterday, uh, which was the uh, the a deal involving Garrett Cole. There were rumors. Now, I'm not going to ask you to comment yeah. On what you know, Garrett Cole. Know. I've never heard of him. No, right. do, do, do or don't know about Garrett Cole. Um, however, there were rumors that he might sign with Houston Astros, and then there were rumors that he wasn't going to sign, and then there was appeared to be indications that he was definitely going to sign, and he then be traded. Sorry, but to be traded, right? Because uh, this pitcher I've never heard of, I think, is already on a team that I don't. know. Yes, yeah, right. And then, and then it became clear that uh, was, and then uh, Jeff Luna, the GM, uh, he outright denied that there was any conversation. So a lot, a lot happened. The title that uh, we ended up going with was <laughs> Garrett Cole may or may not become an Astro, and this is because Travis Sachik had written the post already, and yeah. then the last of those t- um, tweets came out. I actually um, like that headline, honestly. Like, you did I, like the headline. I liked the headline in the sense of like, I think people understood what was happening when the mm-hmm. post was published <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, we don't actually know what's happening. Here's a thing about we don't know what's happening. So, yeah, I actually right. thought the headline worked for, for what was rumored on Twitter. What do you think about this ridiculous title? Maybe super teams are ruining the off season. That person should be fired. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <clears throat> All right. So, but but what I'd like to make perfectly clear is that from now on, from from this point forward, especially in the near future, anytime readers go to they, they point their internet browser to Fangraphs.com and they see a series of titles, unless um, now if it's a post by Jeff Sullivan, then I will not have seen it before it went up because Jeff just has no he has no interest in my opinion. Um, he's a lovely guy, uh, but he's just not going to consult me. Um, but in most cases, I have taken a look at the post, etc. 
I I will have probably had an anxiety attack with the, you know, with roughly fifty percent of them. So I, I just want people to participate in that with me, Dave Cameron. Do you understand? Yeah, this is definitely how I uh, uh, thought we would be talking about the what I thought we would be talking about on our last ever podcast. What did you think we were going to talk about, Dave Cameron? How much we like each other? I mean, like I I thought we would like celebrate the podcast as a thing that you know we're putting to bed and reminisce on. I don't know all the times I made fun of you for liking Jose Ramirez. Yeah, and like yeah, well, you did do that. C- congratulate you on your uh, <laughs> well, job well done. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I guess in my mind, uh, not that I, you know. Headline sausage making isn't exactly what people turned in for. I mean, I'm sure that's going to get all the. This downloads. is essential material. Yeah. I don't know, Dave Campbell. What do you want me to say? I like you. You're going away. Well, you don't have to. Say, you don't have to lie. No. Yeah. <laughs> we could. We could end with some honesty. Uh, no, I mean, I think. Like, I think from my perspective, it's important to at least say publicly because I think you know, like, part of our bit on this podcast has been like me mocking you to mm-hmm. some degree. Yeah. Uh, I think people understood that that was like. Not serious. Uh, I, th- I think you understood that. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too bothered by it. That's good. Because it wasn't <laughs> serious. Yeah, well, no. Even if it was true, I wouldn't have minded. But, um, uh, yeah, that's fine, Dave Cameron. I just – I've um, what I've valued about uh, your appearance in the podcast is that I all I ever have to prepare are questions. All I have to do is be like – Are you saying that I talked most of our podcasts? Yeah, I think – well – you you said more. We might have talked for the same amount of time. You said more. Uh, <clears throat> no, I like that I could just have be like, oh, I'm remotely curious about that thing. And at the very least, you would pretend to have, to know something <laughs> yeah. about it. I guess like one of the things that always interests me about our podcast, like when you listen to like Effectively Wild or some, you know some of these other baseball podcasts, especially with two people who are like regulars, is their discussions. This has always felt to me a little bit more like an interview, like a weekly interview. Like I signed yeah. up to like, to be interviewed by you every Monday and have you publish it every Friday. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and I don't necessarily know if that's good or bad. People seem to like it. Uh, you know, no one no one has yelled at us and been like, you guys should converse more. I did find it interesting how like that just how turned into our like natural way of podcasting. And I, yeah, well, I what never was noticed I that say? was like, well, I think. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting – this podcast is different than some other baseball podcasts in that you ask questions and I talk and then it's over. Yeah. Well, I would like to say – I mean, like, there are definitely things about the game that excite me, right? Um, so that's one class of thing. Like, um, obscure prospects are legitimately exciting to me. Yeah. The first month of college baseball is legitimately exciting to me. This, uh, it it I it uh, fills me with magic, okay. I, there are other parts of the game about which I'm curious, but do not have the inclination or the time to pursue them. Major League Baseball, I believe. It's Some of it's Major League Baseball, yes. But fortunately, you have done you've done a lot of the footwork already, <laughs> and so I could just have I could just be remotely curious about something. But if you've thought about it at some length, then I could just ask you. I mean, there are probably a lot of people who read the site. Uh, I mean, certainly people who participate in your chats, right? And this is like a chat, except uh, I just I'm just uh, I'm the one who asks you all the questions. Right. I don't get to filter out the questions I don't want to answer. <laughs> so this is worse than a chat. So what's your what is your just tell me your login, your like your username and your password. Uh, we we still sticking with this. What was it? What did I say? Where's my dog? Is that what I went with earlier? Is that, Where's my child? Is my child still screaming? Is that a password? That could be your password. Is that part of password optimization? What, what is it? I mean, you'd probably have to put like, is underline my child still screaming ampersand or something. What's the latest in password optimization now, Dave Cameron? I think, actually heard like the best thing to do is just pick random words that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, but you have to remember them. Yeah, right. But like if you, like, so, uh, like I'm just looking around my house right now. Like yeah. if I went like refrigerator milk cup, right? Like that's not actually a terrible password because right. like it's just some things I looked at. And if I can teach myself that phrase, then I'll remember it. And like it has no relation to anything that you like. You could steal all my information that I wanted, but if you didn't know that I was looking at a refrigerator and a milk cup, you wouldn't have like it doesn't have any relation to me whatsoever. Yeah, but so now are you going to use that for? Are you going to use yeah. that for? Everything into now. Into, everyone who's going to try and hack into the podcast <laughs> is going to be like refrigerator milk cup. Let's find out. Yeah, but are, do, 
is that going to be what you use for everything that they need to log into, or is it you going to are you going to conceive of a different password for every single database, etc.? Or, or email. Are you trying to ask how many databases we have? No, no. Or or email address or your bank account. Do you have to remember a different series of words for all of them? Yeah, I think that's generally recommended. Yeah, but. What sort of brains? People don't have brains like that. That's why, <laughs> that's why it's always there's apps like Last Password. Who should that's why it's always like sponsor a, our podcast. That's why it's always like a dead dog, and then you, you know, like your mom's maiden name. Those are passwords. Yeah. Well, anyone who wants to uh, break into Carson's account and see how poor he is, try one of his dead dogs and his mother's maiden name. You'll probably succeed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was. Hey, listen, Dave Cameron. I have something to tell you. Okay. I think that you have fulfilled your obligation, not just to, to Fangraphs Audio, but to Fangraphs as a whole. That actually makes me a little sad. Yeah. It's been uh, well, and to, to to return to the original message, I didn't actually, I didn't actually know that uh, it would be sad for me until I just said it right now. Yeah. Uh, when, do but, you think, when do you think we recorded our first podcast? How many years have we been doing this? Ugh. Did you do any research at all? <laughs> no. Uh, 2000, yeah. uh, but I guess 2010, though, because uh, I joined in two, August 2009, and I, okay. I'm sure that I, I think I wanted to you wanted like, podcast. set it up somewhat quickly. Well, we should probably tell this story. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before. I probably have. It's one of my favorite stories. But how many articles in did you get before I emailed you and told you you had to write about baseball? Come on. I don't know. It was like four, right? Like, I let you write like four, three or four things that were like... Yeah. Not – so um, I think it was Vince Gennaro uh, had, had emailed me and like uh, – was like, why are you letting this guy ruin Fangraphs? Like it was like some like, like what have you done? This is the worst decision you've ever made. Yeah. And then like has really come around and likes you a lot now. But like your first few posts like had like literally nothing to do with baseball. No, they were like, they were like Western Chinese poetry or something. Western Chinese that, that yeah. is that is that is that your <laughs> password for the podcast? <laughs> Western Chinese poetry. Yeah, so, yeah figured it out. Uh, I think if like if people go back through the archives, which you can do, uh, yeah, you go read Sostuli's first few posts. There's not baseball in them, and I think it took like, it took a few weeks or a month before I just kind of intervened and was like, "Hey, man, not the most explicit." I think there was always something about baseball. I don't. Let's, told, I don't let's pull up your first post. Well, I, yes, I remember I wanna, that I one. I that. prefer not to relive this. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find this. Let's <laughs> see here. Let's go to Carson's archives. No, while you're, while you're looking that up, I wanna, I wanna ask you something, cause I edited your goodbye post, and I noticed that when you link to your first post, Dave Cameron, uh-huh. you're not actually linked to the post, you link to the archive page on which that post appears. Was that intentional? It was. I didn't actually want people to read my first post. Okay, yeah. It was a little embarrassing. It wasn't great. Like the first few posts, for the first few hundred posts, I don't know. They're bad. They're yeah, not. They're, they're not good. Yeah. The, the, I really liked. It. Was it a Corey Patterson one, or was there was a Corey Patterson one there? The Corey Patterson one was second. Yeah, it was the second post I ever wrote. I forget. You had some. It was a graph, and maybe it was his strikeout rates. Is that possible? Yeah, I think he had, like he didn't strike out much like the first week, and I was like, he's breaking out. It wasn't <laughs> awesome. You know what's interesting? If you look at the trajectory of like the sort of criticism or the sort of you know post of a period of fan graphs, Corey Patterson would have been evaluated differently given the era, because obviously his his inability to walk was one thing that people noticed when he was when he came up to the game, right? Like you, yeah. it looks like he only recorded like a three percent walk rate, yeah, in in what was his first full season, but a couple seasons after that. 2004. Now that's actually before Fangraphs existed, but his fielding numbers are crazy. I mean, he was essentially Kevin Kiermaier or whatever. He's like plus 20 runs in center field. He was worth five wins. Yeah. But his career was almost done by the time the site came around in earnest. Yeah. And can was, I can I read some of your first post on Fangraphs? Uh, it was going to make me very uncomfortable. The long hello. Some notes on luck. August 11th, 2009. Yeah. Warning, what follows is very nearly about baseball. And then it's not at all. I think uh, maybe towards the end you say Barry Zito's name. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. And Russell, Russell Branion and Sidney Ponson make appearances. There's a guy holding a scythe 
wearing a Nazi costume or a KKK costume? No, that is from a... <laughs> There's... No, the whole point of this is that baseball is instructive about luck, right? Sure. The final sentence is that here's the hoping that when things regress to the mean, I'm able to hold down a spot in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not Seven a bad years thing. later, you're still here. Yeah, that's not a bad. That's not a bad line. That's yeah. not the worst. That's not the most frightening one. Um, yeah, that was terrifying. Well, because I received a lot of negative comments, and uh, I actually reached out to David Appleman, and I said, "Should I stop? Should I, just, <laughs> should I stop?" He's like, "No," because you know how Appleman is. He's he's not very worried. He um, he is uh, not not a high anxiety guy. Yeah, he's like, eh, that's fine. Keep going." Teddy Ball Games comment. Uh, looks like someone is really in love with the sound of his own prose. Yeah. Just, just thought we'd read that out loud. Uh, I don't know if that was the case. I think I was excited by what the possibilities of writing. In, in, in the, in the meantime, I've become, not only am I not in love with my prose, I'm not, I've grown out of love, um, with my own self. <laughs> <laughs> well, for not being in love with the sound of your own voice, we sure have talked a while. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. This has been uh, poorly handled, but it was always inevitable, and that's fine yeah. too. Yeah. Um, well, Dave Cameron, I will, as I say, I will continue to harass you over the next roughly twenty-four hours. Of course, you uh, you have first right, first and last right of refusal. Yeah. Um, but um, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Well, you are um, irreplaceable in that regard, and um, and uh, but you know, but I think it's great what you're doing, and uh, I think it's great because it's working out for your family and. You know, you get to, from what I can tell, you get to, um, you're going to have access to some tools that you probably haven't, and it'll be exciting to try to try and ask questions and answer them. It's true. I think, uh, you know, I'm excited about the adventure. I'm definitely sad to be leaving Fangraphs. Um, yeah. I'm sad that we won't get to chat uh, regularly again. Um, but you know, when the San Diego Padres start acquiring guys off the fringe vibe, maybe you can take some uh, some joy in that. Yeah, Dave Cameron. You have fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs. Thank you so much. Thank you. That has been uh, Dave Cameron. The, uh, well, the current for 24 more hours. But then uh, after that will be the erstwhile managing editor of Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. California, California.